Hello and welcome to the Coaches Review podcast, a podcast hosted by professional football coaches. For those of you who love to look at the game in minute detail, my name's Harry Brooks and I'm joined as always by my co-host Richard Webster. Hello mate. Hi mate, how are you doing today? You good? No, I'm gutted. I was really looking forward to doing the video because I've got a fancy new headpiece that I'm wearing and I was I was looking forward to sharing uh, to sh- uh, showing it off. I think you should be glad, mate, because I've seen I've seen that new piece of headgear, and um, yeah, I think um, I think you dodged a bullet here, mate, big time. To be fair, the only reason I purchased it is because I'm behaving myself and I'm not getting a haircut. And my haircut looks right now. If anybody's ever seen Home Alone, I can't remember. Is it Marv? What's his name? The one with the the curly hair. Whoever it is, I've no idea, mate. Whoever it is, I look like him. It's absolutely one who's not Joe Pesci, basically. That's it. The one that's not Joe Pesci. So um, that's it. That's a good way to describe him. I wonder if he's ever been used that way to describe him before. It's on his CV, I think, mate. Yeah, the other one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the other guy from Home Alone, not Joe Pesci. You know. Yeah. Oh, that one. That one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're hired. Get in, son. Yeah. Yeah. You're hired. Yeah. So right now I'm looking like him. So I don't know. Maybe I've done. uh, Maybe I've done you guys a favour without this video. But nevertheless. We're here to crack on. We're here to provide hopefully really insightful content. And it's another episode which myself and Richard are really, really looking forward to. It's really close to home. We're going to be discussing the pathway from Wonder Kids into first team football and how many young players, homegrown players, you're seeing dominate at their current clubs right now. So if you're looking at even some of the biggest clubs, the likes of Phil Foden at Manchester City, Mason Mount and Callum Hudson at Doy at Chelsea, Reese James at Chelsea. Oh, so many. Uh, Mason Greenwood and Rashford at Man United. And even the older ones, of course, players like Harry Kane and Jack Grealish, you know, homegrown players from the academy that are really dominating for their sides and becoming key, key players. And, um, you know, it's been a discussion that's been around for for a long time in terms of, you know, trying to produce homegrown talent. And I think it's fair to say that at these big clubs, it's happening. It's really, really happening, Rich. Yeah, at the moment there seems to be quite a few, uh, quite a few examples. You've just reeled off a few there. First of all, before we start, I think, um, yeah, the term, the term "wonder kid" is one we we try and get away from. Obviously, that's not our term. That's something that people use. Yeah. We try and really come away from that, especially as coaches and people who work with young footballers. Um, and that's we'll come on to that. That label is actually one of the one of the. Well, I think. It, part of the reason that sometimes it doesn't work for young players. But um, I think it's more talking about. Uh, young players were seen in a, in a great light. A lot was expected of them, and then how they've kicked on and been successful at their team, and, and like you said, now become key players at big clubs. Not even not even just the big clubs, but how they've become key players at their clubs. Yeah, um, yeah. Path that they've yeah, taken. Cool. So this, yeah, there's some interesting trajectories. It's not just a straight um, upward curve. So we'll talk about that. And, um, and just look maybe at, uh, at some of the reasons that they're doing they're doing so well at the moment. So I think it's going to be good, mate. Yeah, I mean you're completely right. Actually, I agree with you. I hate the term "one kids." That was very the Sun newspaper of me just there to use that term. So uh, <laughs> no, but it's that. a term. That, but it's a term that everyone uses, and, it, and it's like it, people know what that means. Yes, I think but it's we're also better important. Than that. We're say. better than that, and that will never be used again <laughs> in this podcast. Okay, similar to the um, the term "half space," where I had. Um, <laughs> I had a bit of an attack early from the analytics community um, because I don't like the word half space. So that's definitely going to be a, a, a podcast discussion for another day. But today, that's, we're that's unlike football analysts to get touchy about things. Yeah, mate. funny, though, isn't it? Yeah, funny. Yeah, <laughs> weird that. Yeah, very strange. But um, no, today we are going to be discussing uh, 
young players and their pathways into first-team football and perhaps why they are getting there and obviously citing reasons why they perhaps don't reach those levels. And yeah, Rich, I suppose, I suppose the best situation to the, or the best area to start is looking at current examples and perhaps why they are getting those opportunities and what has changed and why the likes of Callum Hudson-Odoi um, you know, he he was actually he's a really interesting one because he was he was kind of on the periphery of the first team, and yet every yeah. time he got minutes, like an experienced pro, he was affecting the game, affecting the game, goals and assists, creating chances, um, providing variety to the attack. Mason Mountain has been in the team, you know, the whole season and been one of their main players. Um, but it's really good to see just how many young players, players produced from the academy are going in there and taking the situation by the scruff of the neck and producing consistently um, on the pitch for their teams at the highest level in terms of club football. Um, and it's really great to see. Um, why do you think the likes of... Do you think it's a, a coincidence or do you think there's been a change while we are seeing more of this now? And, you know, again, Jack Grealish at Aston Villa. Been a little bit um, older, obviously, but, you know, you can go through the league and find these examples of young players that have come from the academy and are really making their stamp on the first team environment rather than just the, you know, well, I the, think, the bought in 30 million pounds, 40 million pounds players yeah. exports. I think all the players count too. So like you said, you mentioned Jack Reed, you mentioned uh, Harry Kane earlier as well. Um, you, you know, the, all right. People don't naturally think of like, oh, Jack Grealish wonder kid because you know he's 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 not a kid anymore. But he is a good example of a young player who broke broke into the team and the trajectory carried on going upwards. And and now we fast forward a few years and he's he's kicked on and he's he's a mainstay team. So he's an important player as well. We're not just talking about a nineteen year old who's doing well in the moment. Um, and in fact, we're we're talking about ones really who've who've pushed on and, and started to become a a consistent performer. So I think there's a couple of things. I think one is the general standard, and I've, I think this for a while, the general standard coming out of academies from the UK um, is higher and higher uh, year on year. And I think that's that you're starting to see the effects now of um, what was a plan put in place um, you know, a number of years ago to improve the academy system to you know, with a category system that they've got now, Cat 1, Cat 2, Cat 3, all of that. Um, and then also the the technical development plan that was put in by the FA in conjunction with the clubs uh, in an attempt to improve uh, the technical standard of players that were coming through. And I think now we're starting to see the fruits of that. Um, already, you know, England have had their success with the Under-17 World Cup, and there's many players from that team who are doing really, really well now. Probably Jaden Sancho and, and was Phil Foden in that team. Um, yeah, I believe he was. There were some incredible talents. Phil so they're Foden, probably the two, Re- Re- the two Re- standouts. Yeah, Re- Re- Bruce, Bruce, he hasn't yeah. quite hit the same heights, but you know he has had he had a fantastic loan spell at Swansea. Um, he went yeah. to Sheffield United for twenty four million pounds. You know, this isn't this isn't just a a youngster that's you know on the edges of making it. This is a proper professional now. Yeah, it's a terrific player as well, man. There's there's no reason why he can't kick on and score score a bunch of goals in the Premier League. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it, how it develops. But yeah, I think one of the reasons. Is, is that long-term plan that was put in place. And I think we're starting to see that bear fruit. Whereas traditionally, like you see, it still happens now. You know, big clubs buy in uh, talent from abroad. But I do believe the standard coming out of academies is going up, up and up. And we're seeing now, especially at the bigger clubs, the Category 1 clubs, um, Chelsea in particular, Chelsea's academy just produces absolutely outrageous talent. Yeah. Um, even, even the ones who aren't necessarily able to kick on into the first team. So if we look at, um, at the young the young lad at uh, Brighton now, um, 
the fullback Ruti. Um, yeah. That's a fantastic example where this is, and this is the standard that they're producing out of the, um, out of the academy. And not just those, but um, who's the young boy, De Silva as well, who I think is with Brentford now. Um, yeah. there's a, no, there's he's a bunch a of Bristol City, Bristol City. Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, the um, only, you know, the only reason I know that is because I'm doing an FM online save with my play with my uh, my friends, and he's he's been one of my players of the season so far, and football manager. <laughs> well, there you go. So even the players who aren't quite um, making it into the first team at those clubs, they're still coming out at a really, really high level. And then, of course, the ones who are pushing on. So let's say Reese James, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson, for example. Um, the standard's so high within the academy, and of course, standard and expectation is so high within the first team. Once they break into that first team, they're at elite level already. They're performing at a top, top level. So I think that's why you're seeing maybe the transition becomes slightly easier or slightly more smoother at the moment. That's why we're seeing some good examples come through. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that one of the biggest reasons is because of you know what the academies are doing and. You know, myself and you, we've criticised the work of academies enough times. God knows we've done that. But what there has been, and there's no question of this, is a bigger emphasis on technical quality um, for a while yeah. now. And now England have always produced athletic, powerful players, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but now those players are now, the technical ability is being appreciated a lot, lot more. So now those players are now being developed to make sure that they have the power and the athleticism, which they will always produce, always have. That's just, you know, that's in the DNA of British football. But now technique is now being added alongside that power. So now you've got yeah. superb athletes with incredible technical ability. But then what you're also finding is, and this is where the academies do get things wrong, of course. So I think, you know, we've discussed this before about how academies can make quite robotic footballers. But there will always be cases where you're going to get personalities of players to go and play their style of football no matter what, no matter what the club try and do. And there'll always be coaches that will allow the personalities to, to, to flourish, you know. So, of course, a lot of teams we watch at Academy 11, a lot of players, it's very mundane. It's all the same. It's very robotic. But there is always going to be the odd coach and there's always going to be the odd player that maintains their personality and maintains that throughout the age groups, no matter what happens. You know, someone like a Jaden Sancho at the age of 17, 18 or, you know, younger than that, even 16, 17. Good luck trying to take his personality out of him. That's his personality. He's going to play yeah. his way. You know, of course, he can be. A, of course, he was coachable. Of course, he was. I'm sure he was. But that's his personality. Now, when you get those players where their technical attributes have been appreciated on top of their athletic attributes and they've managed to keep their personality. Now you've got there's always going to be enough situations where you've now got a real, not a complete player, but a real top, top draw player. So generally speaking, across the board, I don't think academies do a good enough job. But because they've now appreciated the, the importance of technical quality on top of what they've already got, there will always be enough players that maintain their personality no matter what. And now those players have been developed in their own way to go on and become the likes of Hudson Adoy and Phil Foden and that is why you're going to see a lot of players that are going to continue coming through the England setup because they kind of have a mix of everything you could want from a young player, don't they? Uh, yeah, definitely, mate. Like you said, it's that innate um, British style of traditional British style. So um, box to box, uh, nonstop running, competitive nature, all of those things. They're cliches, but I mean, there have been there have been mainstays of um, like your archetypal British footballer for a long, long time. 
And um, now we're seeing the technical ability go go up and up and up, and, and that's only going to enhance that. I also believe, I'm a massive believer, that success breeds success. So same why we're seeing, we've spoken about this. Now the pathway for young talent is open abroad. Obviously, there's a little asterisk next to that with Brexit written next to it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, because of... Uh, I don't want to say trailblazers, but because of people having gone abroad and we'll use Jaden Sancho as an example uh, and been very successful, now that pathway is open and more and more players will go abroad. And, and he's not the only one. Obviously, we see more established players going abroad as well. So um, the likes of Aaron Ramsey going to Juventus, I think is a massive, um, a massive deal as well and doing very well over there. Um, so I think you're going to see more of that talent drain, if you like, which is a good thing. Um, because it's only going to enhance uh, the reputation of, of UK academies, or maybe it's a reflection of the enhanced reputation of UK academies. So I think that's a fantastic thing. And then that success will breed more success in the same way that the improvement, the technical improvement across the academies has meant that the national teams, so let's say um, England's under-17s, England's under-18s, England's um, youth teams have done better internationally um, and then that means the standard of player is going up. That's given the managers more confidence that they can put them into the team. And it seems to be rolling and rolling and rolling, which which is a good thing. But then I also think you have to give props to the managers because we, we're quick to criticize and coach it. Sorry, fans are certainly quick to criticize when they don't put um, enough trust or emphasis in youth. But if you think about someone like Phil Foden, um, and you think about someone like Mason Mount, certainly Frank Lampard deserves a lot of credit um, for what he did for young players at Chelsea. I know they were in a circumstance with the, the, the transfer ban, but we also have to give those managers um, enough credit. Klopp as well has brought through um, a really good batch of young players at, at Liverpool for actually giving them their chance and allowing them to develop. Um, and now you're seeing players like Foden and, and Saka and, uh, Curtis Jones at Liverpool really, really thrive and be key parts of the team at a super young age. So I, I do, think it's very exciting. I, I do agree, but with all due respect, they're only given their chance because you know they're better. They're arguably better than what they've already got. It's because they're good enough for the first team. They're not just giving young players a chance because yeah, and, that, and that's like because the technical jobs. level of the academies has improved so much. I mean, we yeah. were lucky enough, you know, um, a couple of years back, I was very fortunate um, to spend some time over in Brazil with the, the Palmeiras Academy. Um, friends with uh, one, of the, one of the guys there, a few of the guys there, and one in particular who's one of the top coaches, top youth coaches, invited over to, to England for a Premier League tournament and everything like that. So it was a fantastic experience. Now in conversations with them and in conversation with their coaches, and this is one of the, the best academies in the whole of Brazil, uh, producing talent every year, and obviously they've just won the uh, Copa Libertadores as well uh, with a bunch of academy players in the team. You know, their conversation uh, with myself, you know, uh, me wanting to learn about the Brazilian system of bringing through players, them wanting to, to pick our brains, my brain about um, at the academy system in the UK. What was evident from them is they're actually looking to UK academies about why we're producing such talented wide players and attacking players which is unthinkable uh, 15 years ago or even 10 years ago that a Brazilian academy would be looking to the likes of James Sancho and Phil Foden and thinking, we need to produce more players like that. Um, and that is a compliment 
to the efforts, and it's been a long-term effort, to improve the technical standard of young players coming through at UK academies. Agree completely. Um, but we've discussed this before. Um, it's not a coincidence why the vast, vast majority of the real talents that are coming through are in those positions. And this is where the academies are falling behind still because, you know, they are affording certain players the ability to own play with personality yes. and how to do, be developed in their role. It's all well and good, you know, it's talking about those plays, but perhaps there's actually still a bit of a a lack of maybe centre-backs coming through or, yes, yes. you know, defensive-minded players. And now obviously you can't afford the same level of carefree attitude with those players. Of course not. They're in an area of the pitch where they have to be far more responsible. But it does go to show that, you know, the way it's going right now, actually it's perhaps making a more specific or producing a more specific player, more so than generally speaking. And that is where perhaps the academies are getting it wrong. So where do you think the academies can go around or do you think there is a possibility for the academies to go around and improve even more so where they're not just we're not just producing phenomenal attacking players and of course we're producing good defenders of course we are but I'm talking about generally speaking across the board there's lots of attacking players that have been developed in the correct way but perhaps a lot of defensive minded players that aren't being developed in the correct way and actually I think that arguably it's gone the opposite way in the sense of actually you know those younger defenders and those defensive minded players this is where, you know, so much of academy football is very systematic, very system-based, learn how to play in the system. So they'll learn how to defend in a certain system. And we've spoken to our players recently about this. You're, you know, you say you're playing in a high-pressing system and they keep pushing up to win the ball and leaving space in beyond when it's the wrong time. And then they'll tell us, yeah, but our manager wants us to press high. But if it's the wrong thing to do, it's the wrong thing to do. So these defenders and defensive players are learning how to play in a system and rather than actually learning how to play football in a more broad sense, how to defend more broadly, you know, what to do, when to push up, how, when to drop, how to position your body 1v1, how to time your jumps to win the ball in the air. Those specific individualistic attributes that, you know, you were taught as a youngster years and years ago isn't being taught as much now. Um, so that is perhaps where, again, citing to what we said earlier, you're seeing academies that are producing those kind of players more so, but because of their quite system-based approach and getting players to play in a certain philosophy, getting players to sort of become the robots, that's perhaps where we're seeing that, that ethos harming certain other positions on the pitch. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I also think that's a result of, or that maybe reflects a wider issue in the game where the art of defending is coming out of the game. Um, and I, I think we're seeing that more and more. So, um I think the game is becoming more end to end um, uh, with little sort of, it, it's getting so fast now and there's, there's so much um, emphasis on speed. And if you think about fullbacks, um, what people want now is attacking fullbacks, both, both fullbacks have to attack. And um, there's a little bit less regard for um uh, slowing the game down, changing the tempo of the game, controlling the rhythm of the match, those things. And as a result of that, I think defending's getting worse and worse and worse. Doesn't help as well that you're not allowed to touch players anymore. And the fouls are um, much more easily um, easily committed than they would have been uh, previously. So I think defenders in general are up against that so you have to defend half the time with your hands behind your back because it might be a penalty. Um, things have changed like remarkably for defenders in the last just few years. 
Um, and I think that's a wider issue. And then that's going to be reflected um, in the academies as well. But yeah, I agree that the talent that tends to be coming out of the academies at the moment, the top line talent does tend to be concentrated in attacking areas where there's a bit more freedom afforded and a bit less work on systems, a bit more work on individual flair, that kind of a thing. So, but yeah, I think the improvements have been made. The technical level, I don't think it could be argued that the technical level at the moment coming out of the academies isn't good. And that's why we're seeing that um, so many of these boys are getting a chance. Um, even the Aston Villa Cup game where they put the young players out, Louis Barry scoring that goal. Um, you know, this is a player who's, who, was, who went from, I think he went from West Brom to Barcelona, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Went from West and, Brom, Barcelona, and, now he's, and then to Villa. Yeah, yeah. Now he's back with Villa. Um, you know, Barcelona aren't picking up players because they're not good technically. <laughs> so he's obviously... Um, <laughs> He's obviously he's he's good at what he does, and that, and that's another that's another feather in their cap. Um, but yeah, I think the next stage then, hopefully, would be um, to work on those defensive players and improving those as well. But I I wouldn't hold your breath because I don't see the game going in that direction. I think it's just it's getting more stretched. Teams are getting more stretched. We're not seeing the same level of defensive um, focus as we have done uh, previously. Now it's getting forward early. Um, it's all about quick transitions and um, pace is king. I mean, it's funny you said that. Literally analysing one of our players earlier today, obviously I won't say his name, but he is one of the rarities actually in the UK that likes to put his foot on the ball in midfield, control the tempo, keep the game ticking over, take the sting out of the game. Yeah. Um, but here's me telling him, you know, and I have to tell him this because it's the realities. I've got to tell him, you know, you've got to provide more verticality. You've got to be more dynamic. You've got to be more aggressive. You've got to play the ball forward more. You yeah. need to affect the game in that sense more because at the end of the day, the style of football you're playing, very, very few teams in the country play that way. And you've got to give yourself the broadest chance of having a professional game. And he understands it and he will do that. And it's not me telling him to change his game. He's got to still, you know, that, that the way he sees the game and his ability to run the show and control the tempo, pass and move at angles. It's, it's a rare skill and it's a superb skill and it's it belongs on a football pitch and it belongs on a football pitch in the UK. But mm. but I did tell him, of course, that you need to add that dynamism to your game because you need to make yourself broadly attractive to as many clubs as you can. Because unless and we're gonna, I'll, I'll cite this as an example. Let's say you play for Manchester City. They, for those who don't know, they get their academy to you know mirror the first team in how they play. Retain the ball, same profile of midfielders, you know, recycle possession. Now, that's a very specific way of playing. Not many teams in the country play like Manchester City do. Now, if you go from the academy and play for Manchester City, fan-bloody-tastic. The chances of that happening are very, very minute. Phil Foden is the epitome of what a Manchester City academy product academy can produce. He's the epitome. And, and that's even the thing. There's, there's two sides to that sword, Harry. So, like you said, you know... Uh, being critical, it's like, well, you've got to teach players that the right way to play because they might not play for Man City or that the likelihood is that they won't. But then again, we're talking about wonder kids coming through. We use that word again, wonder kids. We're talking oh, about yeah. talent, <laughs> talented young players, I should say, coming through and then kicking on and being key parts of the team. Now, it's that very, very, it's that very system of mirroring the first team that has allowed Phil Foden to, to um, make those steps and become a key part of the Manchester City team. It's just a tough one, isn't it? You can't, it it my, you can't have it both ways. You can't have well. I don't know if you, maybe you can have it both ways because at the end of the day, you know, if Man City had played a more broader style of football, 
Phil Foden would probably still be that player. That's Phil Foden's personality, whether he's mm. playing for Manchester City Academy, Spurs Academy, or Bolton Wanderers Academy. That's that style of that's his that's his personality as a footballer. And that's why Manchester City love him, and that's why they've got him into the first team. But you know, he's the epitome of what a Manchester City Academy can produce. And this isn't knocking Manchester City. They have their way of doing it. And good luck to him. And you know, it's going to be successful uh, for a lot of reasons. But well, talking, talking, um, talking about um, players like Phil Foden, I think he's an interesting example, and I think Saka's an interesting example as well. Um, do you think there's there's a preferred uh, route? I think I probably know the answer, but um, you know, we th- we think about Saka and Foden, and they've they've only played for Arsenal and Manchester City uh, respectively. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Phil Foden went out on loan anywhere, did he not? No, I don't think so. Okay, so, but then we've seen other examples of players um, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of, uh, of this system where um, they're a young player doing well, high expectations at a club, but they take, you know, strategic loans, well-placed loans to, to maybe lower, yep. um, uh, lower league teams or teams slightly down the ladder. And um and and that's their route then to becoming a um a key part of the team for when they come back when they rejoin. Do you think there's a preferred route for a young player, wonder kid, for want of a better word, uh, to become a key player, um, to to kick on and have that career in his early twenties? No, of course not. Every situation is different. So you know, Phil Foden clearly done the right thing, staying where he was. Um, I guess if you're talking generally speaking as a rule you know we say to players all the time and again every situation is different because Phil Foden was getting enough minutes from a young age and working his way into the first team and he's such a supreme talent yeah. um, he was able to force his way into that first team but well, the point I was going to make earlier is that you know generally speaking you've got to you've got to look at the numbers and the chances are if you're a Manchester City Academy player you're not going to play for Man City so broaden broaden your knowledge of the game and your ability to play for more start more teams, you know, make yourself attractive to other teams because the chances are you're not going to play for Man City. So generally speaking, we say to players, as a rule, and again, every situation is different, like I just said, but as a rule, you know, obviously not too, too young, but go and get first team exposure, get the loans. You know, Jake said it the other day, you know, grow the hair on your chest and make yourself attractive to a first team environment because at the end of the day, unless you are that supreme talent like Callum Hudson-Odoi, like Phil Foden, that can kind of stay at that club and force your way into the first team, generally speaking, you know, most players don't reach that level of talent. That's just the way it is. You've got to be real with well, yourself. Well, there's a couple of, yeah, I can think of a couple of examples right now. Obviously, we're both Spurs fans and, and um, Oliver Skip's looking like yeah. he's doing quite well with Norwich at the moment, which is great. Um, I've seen some some highlights recently where he's looking he's looking right at home and he's getting some great minutes and obviously they're flying as well. I think um, the Spurs fans raid their man of the match post because he seems to win the man of the match every single week on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe maybe they're they're awarding him their own man of the match. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that that seems to be going quite well at the moment. Um, and then you've got Troy Parrott's another good example where he's just gone on loan to Ipswich, I believe. And um, I think last year he was with Millwall. So well, this se- yeah, this season. But yeah, the first sorry, part this of the season, season. Yeah. yeah. So so at the oh, sorry, my bad. So at the beginning, at the early part of the season, he went to Millwall. And yeah, now he, after he, Christmas, he, he came. He came yeah. back in January to then obviously go on loan to Ipswich just recently. Okay, so in this season, then you'll have been on loan with Millwall and, and Ipswich Town, which I think is fantastic. So if I look yeah, at I that. Agree. Yeah, if I look at that example just for one, so Troy Parrott probably wouldn't be known to people, or he might be known to Spurs fans, of course, but it won't, it won't be a name um, 
You know, he's not a household name or anything like that. So I think that's quite a smart move in the sense of he's a very good player. He's he's too good for the under 23s. We know yeah. that. He's got to go and get, he's not going to get in above, you know, he's not going to get any minutes with, with Kane and Son and Vinicius knocking about up front, let alone the other lot. Um, so it's a smart move. But it's also smart in the sense of uh, it allows him to do that and do it while he's still not a household name. Would you agree with that? Because maybe there's been some examples of young players who a lot was expected of them. They're very, very good, so they went into the first team. But then it wasn't the talent, it wasn't a lack of talent. Perhaps they just weren't ready to have the eyes of the world on them at a big club. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that that gap between the 23s and the and the first team is a very, very sticky gap. And it's something that a lot of players do get stuck in, where you're far too good for the under-23s. You've kind of outgrown that but you're not ready for the first team at your club yet. And that was where, mm. that was the, that was the middle, that was the ground where Troy Parrott was stuck in. Now he's a very good player, you know, he's, so he's still young. You know, players that can get stuck in that at the age of 20, 21, that's where, you know, you need to stop, you know, you need to be careful and start reassessing what you're doing. Um, he was young enough where it wasn't much of an issue, Troy Parrott. Um, but, you know, I agree completely, you know, and actually, funny enough, you know, there's a lot of Spurs fans who will think, oh, the Millwall loan was a disaster. He didn't score a goal, he barely played. But no, 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 no. This is all part, Doesn't of, the yeah, he's around part it. of the process. He's around the environment. Yeah. He's around what it means to win every single week. He's getting, he was still getting minutes. And also, you've got to have these pit balls, you know. Part of, what Harry, part of what Harry made Harry Kane so good is actually how some of the loans didn't work. He had to learn how to cope with the downsides of the game in a first-team yeah. environment. He had to learn what it was like to be on the bench. Have those doubts. Oh, am I good enough? Work your way in. How to do the ugly side of the game. How to cope with those changing room environments. You can't expect it to go swimmingly all the time. And fair play to Troy Parrott, you know, at the end of the day, mm. of course it's Hallam. You've got to back yourself. You've got to back yourself. Troy Parrott clearly backs himself. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll go down to Ipswich, drop down a league, doesn't matter. I'll I'll prove myself there and we'll work my way back up again. And you just know, you just know from looking at him play and, you know, the way he holds himself, that he's going to go on and have a very, very good career. You, whatever level that might be, he's going to have a pro career at a good level. You know, for Spurs fans' sake, they want it to be for Tottenham. But even if it's an established Premier League career, an established Championship career, he's going to go on and have a good career because of his mental toughness. And, you know, I agree that generally speaking, of course, every situation is different. But unless you are the elite talent that is pushing yourself into the first team at the ages of 18 or so, get those loans, generally speaking. Now, it can be at different ages. So if we look at someone like, I don't know, a 17-year-old at Tottenham, you know, I'm not going to cite names yet. I don't want to, but... You know, they can be maybe stay where they are. Maybe they're not physically ready yet to go and play first team football. They're fine where they are at academy level. You know, you don't, it's not to say that when you're 18, you need to start on going playing first team immediately. Everyone's journey is different, you know, and the important thing is don't panic. Make sure you assess your situation. But what you don't want to be in a situation is you, where you're in a situation where your contract at your club is running out or there's six months left or whatever, and you're in a position where you're not attractive to anyone, if that makes sense. And a lot of the ways that you do make yourself attractive to other clubs is mm. by going and getting that first team exposure, proving to yourself, proving to others that you can live at that level in the first team environment. And that's why you're going to see a lot more of these. We saw today that Chelmsford have um, got um, no two, uh, a Premier League club, Crystal Palace, have signed two Chelmsford City players. No, sorry, I'm talking wrong. Um, they signed one Chelmsford player and one player from Cork. So Crystal yeah. Palace signed two non-league players. And we're going to see a lot more of those moves now because the talent in the UK is so is so vast, and clubs are realizing they're realizing that, 
and that they can pick up these players who are, for not, who are really, really talented, but they've had that exposure to first-team football. So again, generally speaking... I guess, it, I guess it comes down to the individual, doesn't it? Because obviously, I think they're great moves for Troy Parrott and then other players have gone straight into the team. So if we look at Saka at Arsenal, he's gone straight into the team. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's a massive club to go into. I don't know whether um it's, it maybe plays into their favor that there's no there's no fans in the in the ground at the moment but also might... they've struggled massively recently arsenal so there was an easier pathway to saka you know at the end of the day saka's right. a really good player but of course you're going to play him because the other options aren't good enough and it's the same with chelsea this yeah. isn't being this isn't just handing so that's what i mean so like every every there's no one set path so no, that's not. A, that's almost like look he's good enough and there's no there's no denying he's good enough he's a fantastic player and he's my shout for young player of the season i think he's nailed on um and i think he's going to have a huge huge career uh, so he would have got into the team anyway but you are right so he's almost like he's benefiting from circumstances that what was there in those positions wasn't good enough so he's in yeah of course uh, as it happens he's he's fantastic but i was going to mention a, an example i could think of um uh federico Makeda at uh, manchester united he burst yeah. onto the scene 18 i think he was and um famously scored a goal against villa won the game i think he's old striker he'd come on um this is when ronaldo was at the club i believe yeah. and um you know, big things were expected. He'd been top goal scorer in the youth teams and everything like that. And he, he came on, he scored a few goals, but he never really kicked on from there. And, you know, he's had a fantastic career. I think he's with Panathinaikos now. Um, you know, he scored goals at uh, Doncaster Rovers, went on loan to Birmingham City, spent some time at Cardiff City, you know, varying levels of success. So he, he's had a great career in that sense. And he's still with Panathinaikos now. So, you know, this is not a, this is not a bad footballer by any stretch of the imagination, but perhaps didn't, Perhaps that early introduction into the first team at Manchester United, this huge club, you know, um, his talent got him in there, if you like. So he had to play. He's good enough to play. He was picked and he played and he scored. But then maybe maybe just wasn't ready um, as a player to have a Manchester United career. So it's a difficult one, isn't it? I know it's easy. Sometimes people say, people bandy these things without thinking, like, oh, um, unfulfilled potential. It's like, yeah, but you know, it's, it's not easy to 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 be a young player. Um, yeah, I mean, playing in it as a striker, as a, you know, it's, it's a pressure position. Yeah, you know, of course. Even and... even top top strikers. Look at look at Timo Werner now. Timo Werner is a, a German international. Yeah. Um, he's got the badges. He's got nothing to prove in terms of he's a proven goal scorer at the top level and in the Champions League and internationally. Hasn't scored for twelve games or whatever it is, and. That's going to be eating away. And this is a, a fully-fledged, got the badges, done a lot, international footballer. So imagine then for a young player breaking through who's initially successful, but then maybe has a blip or whatever. It's going to be a hard path, isn't it? So I think that's why we often see um, maybe players labelled as, oh, uh, wonder kid that never kicked on or whatever. And I think that's quite lazy. It's really lazy. It, as you said, a lot... <laughs> A lot of the time, they don't quite kick on because it's damn difficult to kick on and to maintain. Yeah, we're talking about a high level of football here. A, a phenomenally high level of football. I mean, playing non-league is a very, very high level of football. So maintaining your performances in Manchester United is yeah. is so damn difficult. And yeah, and that's no you know, criticism again, of the player. I think no, he's fantastic. He's had a he's had a career, you know. Yeah, great career, and you know, it's a career he should rightly be proud of. Just said, you know, I wasn't aware that he's at Panathinaikos now. Fair play to him, and that's a career that he's very, very. He should be very, very proud of. Um, 
Does he have regrets? I don't know. Maybe. But, you know, and it's quite a boring answer. But again, we can only look at this every situation in isolation. Um, now, of course, there will be some talents that threw their career away through not working hard enough, having a bad attitude. Of course, there are those situations. We all know those players. We've all seen it. With the, you know, we even work with players that we know are going to probably do that, you know, or we've worked with players that we know are going to do that, I should say. Um, and that's just the way it is. Hopefully they turn it around. But generally speaking, and there's two points here, as the individual, as the player, maintaining your levels is one of the most difficult things you can do. Consistency. You cannot, you know, it's all well and good looking at the talent, but the, the reason why Messi and Ronaldo are so highly spoken about is because they are, it is in, they are able to maintain those levels. Yeah. Harry Kane, able to maintain those levels. How many strikers in the Premier League and these established pros are able to maintain 20 goal seasons after season? Not even, mm. not even some of the best players can do that. So maintaining your performances and your levels is incredibly difficult. And then by the same token, it's very difficult from the club's perspective because, you know, paying, ten, paying a lot of money for athletes is a very difficult thing to do because in terms of maintaining performance, there are so many tangibles that go into it. Is the player happy at home? Well, first of all, is the player good enough? Second of all, how will the player react to when you give him that big shiny new contract? Does the player like his manager? Does the player like his strike partner? Is there a good relationship with the winger on the pitch? You know, is, is the, there are just so many tangibles that go into performance and maintaining performance that it's so difficult to predict well, it's impossible to predict where a player's career will go. And again, obviously, the ones that reach the superstardom of, you know, we're talking about Messi and Ronaldo, they're, they're freaks. But the superstardom of Harry Kane, uh, Mo Salah, those players, incredible and fair play to them. And it's one of the most difficult things you can do. And those achievements can't be um, underestimated. But if you are seen as the big, big talent, and yet you're still able to maintain, and they've all been, all, there's far more of these examples if you are seen as a big talent coming through the academy, but you don't quite hit the heights you were you were you know being touted for, but you're still able to have a good good career at a good level, then that's a damn good achievement as well. And a good example of this is Reese Oxford. Reese Oxford made his debut yeah. for West Ham at Great 16 years at 16 years old. Okay, yeah. 16 years old at Arsenal. I think he got man of the match away. I mean, yeah, he did make Boston. He was fantastic. Incredible achievement. The level yeah. of maturity was outstanding. The next day, all the papers, typically the next Rio Ferdinand, whatever you want, a load yeah, of nonsense. Could, yeah. yeah, all of that nonsense. Now, people will say, oh, but Reese Oxford never, ever hit the heights. Well, OK, but only because they were the heights that you idiots put him on at 16 years old. And what are the heights anyway? He's 22 years old right. and he's playing, he, he's playing was, first team football in the Bundesliga. Mate, he's 16, so. he was 16 years old. What, height, what heights are you talking about? You put those heights on him at 16 years old. He's 16 years old. You can't tell how his career is going to go. There are so many things that are going to happen in that time period. And actually, he's had a really good career because he's now, what, 22 years old and he's an established player for Augsburg in the Bundesliga. Now, if that's not an achievement, I don't know what is. So all of this nonsense about, oh, they never hit the heights. Well, yeah, of course not, because it's a really damn difficult thing to do. Well, I think and there's you- an interesting example just come into the league as well with um, Arsenal signing Martin Odegaard. Odegaard, sorry, on yeah, that yeah, yeah. I think that's a fascinating example. Yeah. So, you know, here's a player who was who was signed for massive money. I think it was fifty million or something. Like, maybe, maybe I'm not. But he signed for big money as a teenager. I think he was sixteen years old um, by Real Madrid yep. from I forget the team in Norway. Yep. Um, anyway, 
you know, he played international football as a as a very young teenager. Um, signed under you know mass, amid massive fanfare by Real Madrid, made his debut as a, you know no doubt he had to, um, and then obviously sort of faded away a little bit. I was going to say the word struggled, but that's a bit unfair. I mean, like you know, walking into the Real Madrid team is not going to be easy, is it? Even if you're going in as as a as a young talented teenager with a huge reputation, yeah, but you've still got to get past the guys in the first team, and they're not exactly shabby, so. <laughs> You know, it's Real Madrid we're talking about here. Yeah, people expecting, oh, you know, wonder kid who never made it. And you're like, well, what's made it? And actually, what he's done in the meantime is he's continued to develop, took a good loan over to Holland, um, did well over there, uh, took another good loan to, I think it was Real Sociedad well, last well, season. Well, I've got it here, mate. I've got it to here, a mate. really, really so, high level. He, so he's played 58 games for Real Madrid, 58. He went on loan to Hurin Veen, played 38 games. Went on loan to Vitesse, played 31 games. Went on loan to Real Sociedad, played 31 games where he was outstanding. Played 25 games for Norway first team and is now on loan at Arsenal. All of this at the age of 22. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad at all, mate. And, and by all by all reports, last season in the league, he was, um, yeah, he was doing yeah. Yeah, really well in terms of assists, in terms of chance creation and all that kind of stuff. Um, so he's really kicked on and he's he's... He's playing a, an incredibly high level, and that's why Arsenal have, have, have decided to to go out and reach out and make that loan move. Um, so I think that's an interesting one because you know uh, there's a lot of articles out there about it's wasted talent and it's a wonder kid who never made it and all, all stuff like that because of the price tag because of uh, because of stuff that's actually got nothing to do with what he's doing on the football pitch. So yep. like I said, because of the price tag. So if someone sees the price tag and sees, oh, he's not in the team. Oh, he must be doing badly. Um, or, you know, must not, must not be going on. Oh, he took a loan to hearing me. Well, I've never heard of him. So that must, that must be rubbish. Um, and that's just, it's, it's, it's so easy to make that leap without actually looking at it and thinking, well, you know, so this is a high level of football. Um, you know, he made that move to Real Madrid because he was good enough and they thought he was worth the money. Um, so this is obviously an incredibly talented player. Yeah, and he's made those appearances for those clubs because they also think he's good enough. So, yeah, hats off to him. I think that's brilliant. Considering most of the lazy assumptions would have been made, not based on his actual football ability or anything to do with football at all, based on putting two and two together and coming up with five. Uh, so, I really hope he does well, mate. But he's still finished below us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Probably not a bad, but. Um, bad place to end on, you know. Anybody that's listening to this, that's ever looking at a wonder kid or or a player, and again, I'm not going to use that term again. I'm using being labelled um, as a wonder kid, yeah. Yeah, being labelled as a wonder kid. Yeah, I was using uh, using it. Um, but anyone that's listening to this, that has ever called someone a flop because they didn't quite reach the dizzying heights of consistent Champions League winner, and you know, but they've made a great career in the Championship, maybe think twice again and reassess about how damn difficult it is to get to those levels and maintain them and fair play. And it's brilliant to see the likes of Phil Fogg and the likes of Hullison Adoy, the likes of Mason Mount, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Curtis Jones, all players that are really either starting to or have fully established themselves as key players in big, big teams and long may it continue. Um, all that's left for me to do is say thanks to Richard. Thanks, mate. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. Thanks to you guys, the listeners. Stay safe and see you soon. <laughs>